Okay. Okay. Hi, you're listening to Fated Mates. This is Curvy Heroines Week. I'm Jen Prokop, otherwise known as Jen Reads Romance, and my fearless companion is Sarah McLean. I like to write books, and I like to read books about curvy heroines. I like to write books about curvy heroines, too. I'm writing one right now, actually. You've wrote many a great book about curvy heroines, and if you haven't read Nine Rules to Break When Romancing a Rake, you can start there. That's really nice. (laughs) I have, you know, I'll put in the show notes the picture. I gave it to my friend Elizabeth to read, and she put it back on my desk at work, and it posted note on it, and it just said, delicious. Oh, that's so, thank you, Elizabeth. That's very kind. But we're not talking about my book this week. That's all. That's the Sarah part of the show. Yes. Jen, why do we like curvy heroines so much? Because <laughs> I am a curvy heroine. <laughs> yeah, me too. But besides just wanting to see yourself on the page, which is a valid reason. Yeah. I th- okay, so here's what it is for me. It, it's always back to like who deserves an HEA. And I think there are so many ways in which our media celebrates beautiful women. And I like to see that all women are beautiful. All women deserve love. All yeah. right. I, it's and that's it. Like I say that to people. I say that to my students all the time. Right. Like you're going to fall in love one day and the person you fall in love with is going to be beautiful to you. And I think that books with curvy heroines. I don't know. They just really hit that mark for me. And the, the we talked about your book, but the other book that did it first and did it best for me where I really was bet me. Jenny Cruzy. And and when I. Oh, when I read that book the first time, I just thought, I don't know, it, it just really, it felt revelatory. And so talking about books with curvy heroines, I think is near and dear to our heart. So you tell me why you think it's important and then we can. Well, I think you just sort of hit the nail on the head. I, I actually think that the best thing about curvy heroine romances is that they tend to hold a mirror up to all women and maybe just humans in general, but this sort of sense that like, even at our most flawed, like even when we sort of look at ourselves and say, and see, we see all the parts of us that are wonky. Somebody lo- who loves us just sees the most perfect person and the most beautiful parts of us. And that is a joy to read. And it's a joy to yeah. experience in life when you're with your friends or your loved ones. And And that's why I love that's why I love these books. But actually, you bringing up Jenny Cruzy's Bet Me makes me think, like, is it possible Bet Me was the first one? Because prior to Jenny, I mean, in the early days of romance, heroines were perfect, like really, really perfect. Like every book had like a knight hero who could span the heroine's waist with his like hands. Right. His manly hand. I think I think Jenny might have been the first one. I'm going to do some research and figure that out. And we'll put it in show notes if we find something earlier than that. But could be. Yeah. And maybe maybe that's why. But I mean, I, I read that book and remember thinking it changed me. Like something fundamentally changed in me when I read that book. Well, do you think it was just that suddenly like romance heroines could be something else? Could be more, different, better? Right. It just opened up a door. And I think it opened up a door in my own brain, too. Sure. All right, you start. Okay, I'm going to start, actually, because I really liked what you said about, um, like, seeing, like, a, a curvy heroine, right? We see her through her own eyes, but also through society's eyes. And, and a book that I think plays with this brilliantly is called The Heiress Effect by Courtney Milan. It's a historical. It's part of the Brother Sinister series. 
and it's book number two. Um, it's, you could read it as a standalone, and I think this book is amazing. I don't know if you've read it, but I loved it. And I think this heroine, her name's Jane, is um, she is essentially using the way society views her as a weapon to fool society itself. I don't know that I've ever read anything like it. And so it is profoundly feminist. There's this really amazing scene at the beginning where they describe, she describes her, them trying to like make her waist many inches smaller than it is by like using corsets. And I like flinched as I read it. But then she actually wears like really outrageous outlandish clothes and, and she does it like she realizes they don't think she's beautiful, that they mock her and that she's going to use that against them to essentially like escape their notice because she has a huge dowry of 100,000 pounds and she does not want to get married. And so she is playing this game where she's using their perception of them as a way essentially of, of making herself like she's it's like at one point the hero realizes she's essentially acting like a butterfly right like she's beautiful and wearing bright colors and but it's poisonous and I just think this book along with having this amazing curvy heroine one of the smartest heroines this amazing hero uh, the the cast of characters the social justice aspect of it uh the hero's sister his name is her name is free she's like fighting for voting rights and it, the whole book is just from top to bottom, just a real treat. And so it, the other thing I liked about it is it, Jane is clearly a curvy heroine and a, Oliver loves her. It's the kind of woman he likes, but it's not the most important thing of, about who she is. And we and Oliver come and she herself come to see that about, mm-hmm. about her. Courtney, if you've never read a book by Courtney, this is a really good place to start, actually. Courtney does so many things beautifully, but the thing that always comes back to me with Courtney's books is the heroes are always so incredibly noble. Like, oh, yeah. They act with such strong conviction and they know what's right, capital R. Yes. They will do everything to make sure that they behave in that way, that they move the world, they move the needle toward that. Oh, it's so good. Well, and I'll tell you what, the other thing about this is this is a book that we've talked about like the setup, right? Like so Courtney like sets up this whole thing where essentially the hero is supposed to take her down. And I I sort of thought, oh, I know where this is going. I did not know where it was going at all. And it was like their struggle to be the best versions of themselves, both for for the, for themselves, but for each other. This book is, uh, it's perfect. I loved it. You should read a book by Courtney Milan. Absolutely. What about you, Sarah? I'm going to talk about a different kind of hero, <laughs> a very, very different kind of hero who is not, does not move toward nobility instantly. So I want to talk about Charlotte Stein. I want to talk about Charlotte Stein basically every day. All day. All the time. Um, If you've never read a book by Charlotte, you absolutely need to rectify that. And probably clear an entire day of your schedule because once you start, you will not be able to stop. You will just buy every Charlotte Stein book one after another and it will just, you'll lose your day to great delicious joy. Because Charlotte, the way, the best way for me to describe how Charlotte writes a book is it's like watching two people fall in love inside a phone booth while you're in it with them oh my god that's so perfect and you're just like it's too much i'm it's too much to watch and i feel weird about watching it but i can't stop like it's just 
Right. You're just in there and these two deeply imperfect people. Charlotte has never written a perfect character, I think, in any of her books. But she might be a perfect oh, writer. I mean, for sure. Um, I think Charlotte is one of the very best writers writing today. She's such a writer's writer, too. Like, I, f I feel like every writer I speak to acknowledges we all just wish we could write like Charlotte. It must be intimidating. I've actually, I'm like, I just get to read it and be like, this is amazing. I can't even imagine, like, imposter syndrome must take over all of you when you read her books. Anytime I read a book by Charlotte, I end up thinking to myself, like, well... There goes three weeks of me just sitting around and feeling bad about myself. <laughs> but I want to, I don't, I mean, anyway, so I can't say enough good things, obviously, about Charlotte. Um, but this book is called Never Sweeter. And oh, you guys. I know. I just like fell over. It's so good. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to do the setup and you're going to go, oh, Sarah, I don't know. So the premise is um, it's set in college. And the heroine, who is very curvy, um, in high school was relentlessly bullied by a group of boys um, to the point where she is run off the road and down a pretty dangerous cliff um, by these like boys who are who are torturing her with bullying. And there's no good reason why she's just like all bullying. There's no good reason why. Um, and she's run off the road, and um, that's the beginning of the book. And then immediately we cut to her in college, and she uh, goes into a class, and sitting inside in the class is one of her bullies. And he is there to make amends. She's horrified. She's terrified. She has all the emotions that you would be. She wants away from him. She wants out of this, this entire world. Um, but he is there and he's in college with her and he wants to apologize. He wants to, he wants to make it right. And they fall in love and it is, it's amazing. So incredible because the whole time in your head, you're thinking, no, absolutely not. This is not acceptable. And the whole time, I mean, Charlotte just writes this hero who just is working so hard to rectify the past and this heroine who just is so strong because she's so able to tell him no and she's so able to resist it until she realizes that maybe there is something more than resistance and I don't know I think I'm doing a bad job describing it but I think no, it's you're so not. beautiful and I I think it's one of those you know as a writer there are very few I mean I read a book a day, right? I mean, I've read 10,000, that's not an exaggeration, romance novels in my lifetime. And I think it is rare that you've come across a book where you just, you can't see how the, re the writer is going to finish it. The whole time you're doubting that it's even possible to do it, to pull it off. And then somehow Charlotte just does. And it's beautiful. It's one of the most beautiful romances I think ever written. I think so too. And I think that the curvy heroine part, I would say, it's really essential to Letty's character, I think, because like when they talk, right, and they become friends first, is that he says, I didn't want you going through the world thinking that everyone was going to treat you that way. And I think it's like metaphorically, at some level too, like how fat people are treated in the world. 
right? Like we're we're sort of like look away and and I think there's something really beautiful about his love for her is so pure and again it's like that same thing we talked about when we talked about escort books, right? Everyone deserves love. Like your physical package should have nothing to do with like whether or not you are deserving of someone loving you profoundly and deeply. And I think this book at every single every single layer does that so well. It's amazing. Okay, so my final one is a way lighter, a jaunt, really. But we, you know, we have to come right out of the deep well that Never Sweeter will will put you in, and all of Charlotte's books, really. But I love a book, like really love in a way, like I don't know, every single bell it rings all my bells. It's called um, "Playing It Cool" by Amy Andrews, and it's a part of a whole series. All the like playing it whatever books are part of a series about a Sydney rugby team, which I know nothing about rugby, but I've lo- I really like all these books. And the main character is a guy named Dexter, and it actually starts off with him and all of his like sort of buddies on his rugby team are basically like, "Hey, there's your kind of girl on the sidelines," because she's like a bigger, curvier woman. And her, um, her name is Harper. And can I just interrupt and say, I love that moment in this book where like suddenly you're not, because we have talked a lot about curvy heroines who are, feel uncomfortable in their skin and, you know, God knows that's real, but there's something really remarkable when in the first moment of the book, like a huge, an entire rugby team is like that one. Yeah. Like there's your kind of girl. And I remember being like, but wait, like I literally, I think I went back and reread it. Like, wait a minute. Is that what I think it means that they all know that he, he likes curvy women and they see one and they're like, there, she's the one for you. Oh, I love this book. It was really great. And, and what happens is they end up dating, they end up like falling in love, but because he is so fixated on rugby. Like his sort of like, you know, I, I, I only have this short, I'm a professional athlete and my time on this team is going to be short. So I don't really have time for like serious, like a serious girlfriend. Like that's just going to mess me up. They sort of have this like low key, like where she starts thinking that he's keeping her under wraps. And she's like, is it because of the way I look? And he's like, no, it's because I really just wanted to focus on rugby. And, you know, there's this amazing scene, though, at the end. And I think this is also part of why I love this book. I don't think it's super spoilery. where she goes to they go to a benefit and they go separately and she is dressed in this like knockout dress and every man in the room can see how beautiful she is and it is killing Dexter because he knows like you know he's like everyone now sees what I've seen all along and I, I just, this book like really worked for me at every level. I think, you know, the camaraderie between Dexter and his team, the affair between the two of them, her work is like a muralist and her insistence that she deserves to have someone who loves her absolutely. And she doesn't need to be second best to anybody's job. I don't care if it's rugby or not, basically. And she, I just love this book. I loved everything about it. Yeah, it's a great read. And it's like a it's like a fun read, right? Like it's not really serious, you know, but I just think it's like a great fun read with like a here's a curvy heroine who's like, I deserve more. And the hero has to be like, yes, you're right, dear. What do you need from me? Also, I think sports heroes in that moment are pretty great. Like the dichotomy between like the super sporty like celebrity hero and the normal girl who, you know, right, looks like a normal person is really delicious always. That's why books like The Wall of Winnipeg and Me work so well. 
you know, because there is that sort of literal body perfection versus just ordinary every day. Right. And I one of the things I love is the authors who make space for women to feel the way they feel about their bodies and to, to know they deserve love and that they're going to get it, right? That romance is going to deliver that to them. That's really essential and important to me. So my last book is kind of an older title. It is the first Bella Andre book I ever read. It's called Take Me. And fun fact, I loved this book so much that I then went to the RWA National Conference and I like stalked Bella into and forced her to be my friend. <laughs> and, and now we are friends. But I love Take Me so much. This is the same kind of, I mean, you, you guys are going to get a real sense of the kind of heroine, curvy heroine I look for. But the heroine of this book has been best friends with um, one half of a set of like ridiculously attractive twins for her whole life. Um, since they were, you know, four or five years old. And her best friend has always been her best friend. And his twin brother has always been sort of aloof and not really present in her life and not really showing much interest in her. And she, of course, has had like this crazy unrequited crush on him forever. And I love an unrequited love story. I love unrequited love. Yeah, it's good. And so essentially what happens is she suddenly like, so he's, you know, a millionaire. <laughs> this was in the ages of millionaires, you guys. This predates billionaires. <laughs> Do better. Um, and he's this sort of like star millionaire, amazing, you know, all around person. And they end up, she's an interior decorator and... um He's a he's a developer, a real estate guy, and um, he takes he hires her basically to help decorate a client's house, and it becomes really clear really quickly. I think early in the book, there's like a drinking mishap, and then there's like an almost sex moment, and then it becomes very clear very quickly that like he's had feelings for her for a long time. And he ends up flying her to Italy to, like, shop for stuff for this. For his, like, mansion or whatever. Right? Yeah. And so they fly to Tuscany and they have this, like, incredible week in Tuscany. And she, the whole time, she's like, at some point, the other shoe is going to drop in this, like, fantasy that I have fallen into with this guy who I've been in love with for my whole life. It's just going to fall apart because he's never dated anybody who isn't, like, a size double zero. And then she sort of sabotages it just by virtue of not believing in herself. And it's so real. Like, it's so painfully real because he's like, I can't convince you of what I see. And until you're able to see what I see, I don't know how to be with you. I don't, I don't know how to make this work. And it is real honest. And, um, you know, I think this is a thing that uh, a lot of people do like we naturally as humans sabotage relationships because of lots of reasons and this is a, it just felt so authentic and I still to this day I love Bella's books so much so many of them I love but this one still to me is like the perfect Bella Andre book well and I think that's the other thing that any imperfection that any character has to deal with but especially body image issues really are about self-acceptance. And I think that's why it's it, it's not enough for your romantic partner to accept you. The good books, the best books, 
are then about I accept myself. And I think that's why they really like hit you right in the heart because all of us are working on ourselves, right? And and I think that all books have characters working on themselves, but somehow this struggle really maybe it just speaks to me personally, but when it's good, it's it's a book I just really love and they stay in rotation and I've read and reread them and have them in multiple formats. And that's when I know it's like a real keeper for me. Yeah. So shout out your favorite curvy heroines. Tell us on Twitter, hashtag FatedMatesPod. Don't forget that if you'd like us to tackle a trope for you, you should let us know and we will do it with pleasure. So um, if you are enjoying our podcast, we would love for you to subscribe to it. Give us a rating and share it with your friends uh, online, on Facebook, on Twitter, um, in the coffee shop, wherever you might be talking about your favorite podcasts. Okay, everyone. Well, that was Curvy Girls. Um, If you are a writer out there thinking about writing a curvy romance, please do. We need more of them. I saw Naima Simone uh, tweeted about one a couple of days ago, and I'm super excited for that one. Naima, um, write faster. Next week, we are back to IAD. And uh, we are on book number five. And the demons are coming, you guys. I'm so excited. Uh, The first book is Dark Desires After Dusk, which is Cade and Holly's book. As you know, we've met Cade and Rydstrom, his uh, deposed king or dethroned king. I don't know. I don't know what the word is. We'll sort it out before that episode. Um, But we've met him twice. We met him. He was part of the high with uh, Bowen and Mary. And he is a pretty significant piece of this uh, Naomi and Conrad book, uh, the Naomi and Conrad book, which we did last week. So um, we've got Kate and Holly up first. It's a road trip romance. um, And it's one that we... um, have a lot to say about but here's what I'm going to say because now we've finished recording both Cade and Radstrom's books and we Jen and I think that you should probably read them both uh, back to back if you can um, if you have the time because uh, Radstrom and Sabine's book which is Kiss of a Demon King and Cade and Holly's book uh, which is what did I just say? Dark Desires After Dusk, um, work in concert with each other. They're overlapping for quite a bit of time. And I think that once you've read both, um, both books get better. Uh, so um, we are back next week with Kate and Holly's book, and we still intend to release Rydstrom and Sabine's episode in uh, two weeks after that. So there's plenty of time for you to read them in order, real life real-time IAD readers. We're reading them um, six or eight months apart, so you'll be fine. Um, We just think that you might like it better if you read them both back-to-back. We have a lot to say about both of these books, and there is a whole lot of conversation coming about horns, and we have a special guest for Sabine and Rydstrom's book, who's got a great story, um, and you're going to love it. So... Yay! Thanks for joining us again uh, for Faded Mates. We're super excited to have you always. If you are enjoying the podcast, don't forget to subscribe uh, and like and review and tell your friends and tell your mom or um, whoever else you might like to tell about us. Thanks so much, guys. See you soon.